The DWA podcast is recorded live to SD card at the old Wrigley building in Santa Cruz, California. Driving while awesome podcast radio hour. <laughs> oh my god. Yo. Do you guys know what a fluffer is? GTO. Mellow grinds. Oh, I got a PT Cruiser. It's a convertible. It's really cool. All oh, this melts of crayons for you. <laughs> hey, YOLO. You only have one life. Do you have coilovers? No, beat it. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I threw it up. <laughs> OffTheRecord.com. Fight those tickets. If you don't win, you don't pay. All you have to do is download the app, snap a photo of your ticket, answer a few questions, get matched to an experienced lawyer, and you won't pay for the ticket. Enter code AWESOME to get a nice discount. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll I'll say this. So uh, it's, it's interesting. You've been through such an interesting transition and you know it's gone from you know you always have the automakers they're pumping out stuff they need to get the information out to the consumers uh but then from like the user side basically you know people were always reading magazines uh turns into you know you're seeing tv commercials and everything um uh and there's newspapers but then you were part of that whole transition to uh instead of sitting back in your lounge chair reading a magazine now people are consuming it by sitting at a desk and staring at a computer um now it's like you know maybe it's more phone but it kind of feels like it's still computer based uh is how you're you're digesting the info um and i just uh, you know having all this historical talk i kind of i kind of just want to like sit down and smoke some weed and talk with you <laughs> about like i like what what is like it would be interesting to hear your perspective uh altered perspective maybe um just like what's the ideal way you've seen all these different mediums uh and i i forgot to mention youtube the rise of youtube and all the video content like what what what's the ideal human way to consume all this stuff like it feels a little crazy right now with all the different options it almost makes me like wish for the time when everything was all just you know which when magazine the, to go to. When there or wasn't a choice. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like I don't. The I don't. Like I love. I, 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 yeah, the menu's too big. Like I like seeing Moto IQ. Those guys are rad, and you know, but it hurts my head a little bit if I read too oh. far down in the article. And it's like there's so <laughs> many options. Like I don't know. Like what what does it look like when you get into like the Joaquin Phoenix, like you know, the movie Her or whatever, like. You know, when it's kind of like just a more natural, like I'm consuming this. And then the other part of that is it's interesting how automotive media and journalism is like taking kind of a turn to from top down to bottom up also. And, you know, that's part of like the Jalopnik comments being added. Uh, But then also insert like bring a trailer comments, which are awesome. Right. Uh, And they've somehow Uh, cultivated like a great group of people. Yeah, dude. Right. I mean, I don't they, think so off. they can be super. They can be a super bunch of people telling you that their grandma had the same car. Five percent. Well, okay, awesome. well, I, we may be past the prime of that, but in the early days, at the very least, you could say that there was a, like a time period. There's where it's knowledge like, for just sure. Super, in, yeah. super informative uh, yeah. Yeah, opinion. Now uh, it's everyone anyways, looking for problems that don't exist. It's right. So, so maybe we, we've we've like crested that, and now it's getting worse, uh, which is inevitable. But. um uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, what's it look like in 20 years or whatever? Like, is there like a a more natural way to get, you know, both 
communicate with other enthusiasts in the right way, find your niche, I guess, uh, while right. also like having like an authentic channel coming down from the, uh, from the automotive manufacturers and like the, uh, uh, you know, the aftermarket parts suppliers and all that stuff. Yeah. Brian, There's just so, so much so there. So, so it's, it's already there, uh, and it's consolidated into one place. It's called Instagram. <laughs> and, uh, you have the manufacturers, I mean, you have all the people. You kind of right. You can in interact way, with everyone. Actually. You can DM yeah. each other. Like, who didn't know stuff? about the Dodge, uh, TRX coming out? Yes. Like, they came out yesterday. Right. Or the right? Ford. Like, that was yeah, just like fed to everyone's, you know, faces yesterday. And then what was the car a couple, Oh, the Bronco, like that thing was right. insane. Right. But, but Brian, yeah. I think, you know, one, one thing, I mean, this is, and I don't mean and to spin maybe your it's question like, a different way. Like, and I'm, um, I'm really, I, I'm trying to close it. Like we're not actually going to answer this, but maybe that's a cliffhanger. I don't know. Like what, what are you doing? Oh, I, thought, I thought we already cliff hung earlier. We cl- I thought the, oh. the mask guy was the cliffhanger, right? Was it? Oh, that wasn't. <laughs> okay. I, I wasn't sure which side of the cliff. First yeah. of all, by the way, is it too dark here? I mean, it, like, cause I realized like it got so dark, but if I turn this light on, it's going to get, that's not so bad. No, you're good. That's, that's, not bad. that's good. Actually. You're I good. think it's, it's uh, dramatic. Actually. You, you, you kind of make me want to darken mine a little bit. I kind of want to turn my light off. I have like, I, I put an LED, like the LED light. Is it LEDs or LCDs? I've never seen a liquid crystal light. I, I, want, one. Crystal. <laughs> I want one. Bunch of Casio anyway, keyboards. Watch. Yeah. Um, so, wow. All right. There's a lot there. I mean, I think <laughs> you, you want to really like go out, you know, sort of look at the future. VR, I think is going to be there. I think people are going to be, um, you're going to be able to sort of, you know, drop the, the latest Pagani, like if there is one um, in your living room and sort of poke through it in a, in a much more detailed way than modern VR. Oh yeah. Um, Or you're doing like, uh, you're doing a one take with uh, uh, Clapman or something, you know, or, you know, uh, where it's like, you're sitting side by side with the the guy who's (laughs) reviewing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could be that like, so Clapman's in LA and I'm in New York and we are both looking at the same car kind of thing. Uh Um, and he's, it's like the walk around tour. Like he could give, you know, so um, I mean, and that includes like exploding the engine as you're looking at it. So So you can, you you know, I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's about processor speed. It's about, you know, there's, you know, the, the building of that industry of, you know, are the car makers going to allow, I mean, because this is the, this is, this is going to be amazing, right? So figure out, figure the car makers have all of this data, all this physical data, or right. this sort of three-dimensional data about every car. It's exactly like it's like, it's literally how they build the car. So it's like, it's literally perfect the, information. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's perfect information. So how much of that are they going to be comfortable sharing? So there may actually be like a few years where it's like they could do it, but they won't do it. But I think eventually, um, I eventually, you know, being able to sort of see every single part of a car digitally or, or, you know, with some kind of VR is inevitable, right? Because that's just where, I mean, that's where the technology is going to go, right? So it's going to digital and physical are going to come together in ways that like, you know, I mean, I'm on, if I'm honestly, I'm, I, if, if I'm on, um, Forza Horizon for like five hours a day, 
all right, maybe not five, but like like a lot. And it's it's like as good as as Horizon Four looks on in the snow. Like imagine in five or ten years when um, processor speeds are ten x and right. you know all the right. all the other stuff is. What, is so is there think, something yeah. with that though? I, I keep forgetting. There, there's a term for the way that technology is developing, and, and actually, specifically, processor speed hitting a major oh. snag where things are actually can oh. only progress so much. Whereas we've sort of, you know, exponentially have gr- developed that to a point where now it's like really it, there's like these limitations. I can't remember. There's a very specific yeah. term, right? It was, it's it, a philosophical it's, term. It's it's the limitation to Moore's law. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but, um, uh, the, the technology is already there. It's just that it's a million dollars, right? So when that, all that stuff is, is already there, the processors can do it. It's just a matter of, you know, do, when do those things become trickle, you know, trickle down to, right. uh, I guess it's having an in your house, really, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like- like, uh, you know, the amount of technology that went into the Apollo, uh, program, uh, you know, like was probably, you know, our, our zoom recorders that we're recording on right now probably have more technology in them than that did then. And that was a billion yeah. multi-billion dollar project. Right. But at some point it becomes, you know, uh, more, yeah, totally trickled down. Yeah. So it's, so yeah. if yeah. assuming that that does hit right. And, uh, it does trickle down and we've all got the ability to, to do, uh, you know, immersive stuff like, that yeah, that isn't that's an interesting thing to think about. Like, what does an automotive journalist look like at that point? And are you like a tour guide instead of a writer? Right. Somewhat. That's a great. It's a great point. Are you a docent at a really good automotive museum? Um, right. Right. Hope, I mean, yeah, we're just spitballing I mean, here, really. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Like, like, uh, what do journalists? What do? You, what do you? You know, but here's here's the question I think everybody's asking everybody about everything right now is what do journalists actually do? What is what's the value? <laughs> what would you say you do? Really, I mean, what what is the journal? What is the value? Right? Yeah. Because right now, the way that things are, because you know, we're fighting for everybody's attention. So a lot of what journalists do is is try to get attention for the thing that they're about to say. So they go they go like. You know, they go out for the, for clickbait. the, um, I mean, it's clickbait, <laughs> but it's also like, like, you know, newspaper headlines have been that way for a hundred years. Right. So it's like, yeah. so like yeah. there's, you're, you're marketing the message and then you're trying to do your job too. You know what I mean? It's like, this is the thing. Is there going to be a part, a point at which there's a great shakeout in journalism that most of most journalists who don't add value will go away and journalists who do add value will stay in some way because there's so much sort of native information available and it's trusted because it's been vetted for some reason. Cause right now it's like, it's ever, there's so much, so much information. It, there's so many opportunities to, um, to uh, spin and change things and, 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 you know, some of it in the name of getting people to your article. Like, I mean, listen, clickbait is clickbait bad. If it, if it gets you to read an article, that's really good that you wouldn't have read it. If the it problem was, is if that I, it usually isn't, that's why kind of well, by default, it, it becomes, well, there's a stigma associated with it. Right. I guess. That's and, and that's true. But here's, here's what's happening with Google is that Google has gotten so good at determining what's good and what's bad that shit posting is now starting to be 
not quite delisted, but, but, you know, subordinated in the Google algorithm. So it's very difficult to make it as a 100% shit poster right now. Um, because, uh, you know, really it's about authority and, um, and credibility in the algorithm. So I think that's, you know, in other words, like if you, if you, um, you know, if you're not, if, if no one's linking back to you and you've just got all this bullshit going on, um, you, you know, Google's People not going to, yeah, not going to see. You. But I mean, again, here's, the, you know, the, the wrinkle is that if you're doing something that is really emotionally, people are emotionally attached to like politics, for example, you can, you can mess with that, right? You can't really mess with that with cars, but, but you can start a site in politics that talks about your political enemies in a really terrible way, in a way that is not accurate and also sort of makes you want to kill them, right? That is, you're so emotionally attached to that, that, that it's much easier to create a fake thing that ends up doing well and getting linked to, and then the Google algorithm thinks it's good. So I don't know if that, and if any of that makes any sense, but, but the thing about cars is that, I mean, some of it is emotionally uh, charged, but some of it is just isn't like, I don't know. And I think where you started with that was you're talking about, is there going to be a shakedown in the industry where the people uh, at the bottom kind of fall off. And it's interesting because it kind of reminds me of um, some discussions I've seen about a similar shakedown in the higher education system where because COVID, uh, uh, people uh, at home taking courses, um, which it's kind of a funny thing because you have all of these professors everywhere (laughs) And yeah. really, I mean, it's like all you need are the top few to teach the masses. Uh, there is no limit to the size of the classroom or location. And um, the value of higher education is all of a sudden questionable. And so there's a, there may be a shakedown happening there. And it's just interesting. I, I, I didn't think about it until you were just mentioning a shakedown in this way. But, yeah, it's like, you know, maybe – uh, if, yeah, if, if we do end up what, like with a, a kind of a more single platform and we have really good quality content that people are all accessing in kind of the same way, I don't, I don't know, you know, I, I could see that happening where the, the lower ones fall off and it kind of, I don't know, maybe, maybe it does well, go back to the original glory days of like real qualified people writing and they're the single source of truth or five sources of truth that, you know, uh, pick, pick the one you identify with the most or something. Well, what's really interesting and let's take the car situation is that, that really engaged enthusiasts are very hard to please because they are, they know more than most generalists out there. Right. So, um, Jason Fenske comes along and, is not only catering to people who want to know an extra level of what's happening inside their car, but he's also teaching them principles that will make them better consumers of technical information. That's going to keep happening. It, it may, building a better enthusiast is, is going to keep happening. So the, the, whatever that layer of enthusiasts that are the most engaged 
are going to continue to find new ways to be satisfied, right? And, and a lot of it is not going to be through mainstream media and because it just can't, it can't be because there's no, um, there aren't enough people like motor IQ doesn't, I, I don't think it needs a lot of people. Um, I mean, I, I wish more people read it, but I don't think, like, I think that, um, it doesn't need to have the same audience that car and driver has, right? They're not trying to help. Yeah. Uh, like right. they're average. They're, they're not looking for leads. Yeah. yeah. They're not trying to generate leads for the lo- local dealership. Right. I mean, it's like they're, they've, if they sell, I don't know if people buy, if, if they have affiliate deals or however they, they make their, um, their money. They sell um, blue, blue chew pills is what they sell. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> do they? <laughs> and uh, um, Roman uh, dick uh, swabs, or what was it? <laughs> Roman dick swabs. Dick swabs, exactly. That's what it's called. That's a good transition. We should. Pr- we should probably introduce ourselves at some point too. <laughs> well, we are, yeah. So this is going to be the end of our YouTube broadcast and, uh, the Thursday episode. But, uh, um, I thought we ended the Thursday at the cliffhanger. We, we did, but, you know, yeah, we, we did. Yeah. We, we, we didn't start the new one yet. So. At least we're going to say goodbye. Tubing. Okay. Yeah. YouTube's gone. <laughs> See you. Bye, YouTube. Uh, okay. So we're officially into Sunday and, uh, welcome to Driving While Awesome. My name is Warren. I'm Lane. I am Art. I'm Brian. And we're once again joined by Rochelle Rochelle's finest, Mike Spinelli. <laughs> Rochelle Rochelle. <laughs> Hi. Um, and thank you for, uh, for, uh, you guys being you because you're just all so amazing. <laughs> thank you. By the way, you didn't <laughs> you're trying to butter us up. Warren, uh, you didn't introduce him correctly. We're, we have Michael Baldy Mike Spinelli here of the oh, uh, Baldy Mike the Spinelli. Lu- Lucchese crime family, I think it is. is that, is that- yeah, yeah. So Baldy Mike Spinelli is an absolute piece of shit. He's one of the <laughs> sleaziest. I mean, and I'm sorry if he's listening. Write <laughs> in. I don't know. Write like, in I'm, if you're listening. I got stuck with his last name. This guy is a real, real piece of garbage, right? He, uh, Brooklyn gangster. I think he did, he either beat up or killed a woman who had, had seen him do something. I mean, it was really ended up in jail for like 20 years. When I was, I think I was at a job, I mean, years and years ago, it had to have been 20. I think he had, he must have done 20 years at least. Somebody, I, I walked in and I found a, a clipping from the New York Post, a clipping, an actual, like oh, someone yeah. actually cut it out of a real paper newspaper. Um, when Baldy Mike Spinelli was going to prison and, uh, was wondering if I was related and, um, no, uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. So Baldy Mike Spinelli has kind of haunted me, uh, low these many years, but what a piece of absolute garbage. <laughs> nice art. Get him fired up before we even get going. Like here. Great, great intro to the Sunday show. See, speaking yeah. of garbage, how is your XJR? No, oh, oh it's great. Exactly. I got to add one last Baldy, Baldy Mike Spinelli thing. You know, you're a terrible piece of shit gangster when your nickname is literal and not fig- you're not right, like, right, right. So if you have an ironic nickname, you know you've made it as a yes, gangster. Like, yes. yeah, yeah. you know, oh yeah, high tower, you're this tall or whatever. Yeah, yeah. baby shoes, baby shoes, Johnson. Yeah. That could be literal. That could be literal. Right? Yeah. Right, exactly. Well, Paulie Walnuts. I mean, if you're Paulie Walnuts, I guess that's sort of, <laughs> yeah. that ironic. face, or what was it? in Dick Tracy, what was that guy? Uh, Tracy. Yeah. Okay, Grandpa. Whatever. <laughs> um, what's going on? What are you watching on your on your on your TV on your wrist phone, Grandpa? <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
Sorry, I, I missed that. I, I almost, yeah, almost lost that one. But I, uh, um, yeah, so ja- Jaguar is doing good. Um, I'm in a a bit of a thing where um, I can't get it to reset the um, uh, the emissions monitors monitors uh, because I drove it a thousand. I, Drove it a thousand miles, right? This is, this is a crazy thing. And I, and it still didn't reset. And I, I, like, I know there's like some driving cycle that is like, I gotta just floor it and drive with my foot on the brake or something, tie the car to a tree. Dude, they're you know, so for crazy. Like they're so crazy. To get it, right. But, um, so I, I have to, uh, you know, I have the book and I, I have to figure that out. But Wait, other so than that, it, what, what, yeah, what is, is the car extra? exactly? What year is, yeah, what is it? It's a 2002 XJR 100, and the 100 was a run-out uh, special edition that was to celebrate Sir William Lyon's 100th uh, check engine light. Uh, so, well, that's, was well I remember that. So, so the the 100 specifically, you're supposed to drink out of a very specific type of china, um, some tea china. in the passenger seat, <laughs> rear passenger yeah. seat specifically, right rear, pinky, uh, out. pinky out, and you have to have the little uh, what is it called? Your um, tray. Table down, sure, or tray yeah. down, of course. Yeah. Um, yes, of course, sure. this does not have that, but <laughs> yeah, mine doesn't have the tray. And also, the headliner is like if you're in the back, the headliner is on you oh, like cool. that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's the only thing. That's the only thing. The only thing so, I have to fix. So when, is that. when uh, the, I think the second time, maybe I think the second time we had Jason Camisa on, the episode was called Scrotal Drapage. Uh, that's what you're reminding me. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, you know? boy. What? Um, yeah. so, yeah. so yeah. I, I like this, this, uh, this Jaguar talk because I think it's a good time to get, dig into some Spinelli automotive ownership history. Um, oh, I, I have, a, I have a very poor automotive ownership oh, history. Oh, that's great. I, Let's hear it. Yeah. Not, no, and I, and I mean like not very interesting. And, and this is the thing is I don't, I, so I'll, yeah, we can talk about it a bit. I mean, but I don't have like, like a, like a Matt Farah level ownership history of cars, but I, we'll, we'll, we can talk. Yeah, so <laughs> why don't we start with the first? Disclaimer. All right, first car. Here's where it starts getting a little bit murky. My very first <laughs> car. So my very very first car was a uh, a 1966 uh, Mustang uh, 289 two barrel. Okay. Three speed. Uh, three speed on the floor. How is that murky? That that sounds like a super rad first car. Except that except that I I didn't I never really drove. So here's what happened. We, when I was a kid, we went to the butcher shop, right? So we went to a butcher and, and the butcher's name was Dennis and Dennis, the butcher, I got something you gotta, I know you're into cars and people, I so saw I was like 12 or 13 years old. So well, he was probably, a piece of shit, a piece of shit gangster. Cause he was too shit literal. Gangster, <laughs> so this is too in literal. Texas, this is in Texas or something. New York. Um, so, so Dennis, uh, who, uh, Dennis, I mean, I, we had been going to this butcher since I was a kid. So Dennis knew, like I was, you know, you the car, really a crazy car. kid. He bring your little he Hot Wheels in and play with them. Yeah. I had, I, yeah, I always brought in whatever matchbox or Hot Wheels I, we, we, I bought. Um, so Dennis said, I have a car. It's in my yard. It's over. Like, there's a tarp over it and I'll give it to you for 75 bucks. Wow. Nice. So Hard to I, well, yeah. And so I went home. Oh, no, on the way home, we stopped at Caldor. Caldor was the, the northeastern uh, version of whatever, like, mini mall 
department store you guys have wherever you are. Mervins. Like Mervins or like uh, Yeah, but but like but all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, books and, it's like and Target or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Target now, yeah, right? But Kmart. like back then. Oh, Mon- Montgomery Ward. Montgomery Ward. Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. So so I go in the, I go in there and I bought the Chilton guide um to the nineteen sixty six Mustang. And I'm with my mom and she's like this kid, he, he whatever. He's just he's just buying the book and he'll forget about it in a minute. So I go home and I and I had a, an uncle who was really into cars. My uncle uh, used to go into the Bronx and he did barn finds in the Bronx, which was very different than than barn finds in the country. But like he would Get find the fuck like Eddie, right? You, like I mean, looking <laughs> at. What the fuck are you looking at? In both cases, you got so, a gun pulled on you. So it's, excuse it's, it's me, true. what? Um, so he would find old Cadillacs. This is like the fifties and sixties and he'd get a, find a Cadillac or a model a or something. And my aunt who was game, I don't know why. She, I mean, she put up with this. I, I gotta say he found, you know, car, car guy's dream. My aunt used to drag help. He would, he would steer. And this is a, when nobody gave a shit. Everybody was drunk. So nobody was paying attention <laughs> and he would drag it back to Paramus, New Jersey, where he, he lived. And, and they would drag it over the George Washington Bridge, and my aunt would be driving their, you know, Bel Air or whatever the hell they drove, and probably a Bel Air. Um, and he would, they would go back, and he, he would, he restored it. Like, he had that, he always got the Hemmings when Hemmings was like a big, a big, um, sort of sepia brown covered book, and he always had that. And I learned kind of what, what restoring cars was from him. And I thought, Hey, me and my dad, right. So my, my dad was, couldn't have been more different from his brother. Like my, uncle, it was, so my uncle Vito, right. Is the, is the, uh, is the car guy wow. was a, yeah, was an industrial draftsman was really very into the technical stuff and was very into taking cars apart, putting them back together. Um, did, did a little bit of minor Concord stuff with his Cadillacs. Always had twenties Cadillacs, always loved the twenties and thirties. So, um, when I, uh, so, um, so I just figured, right. My dad would be okay with me and him doing something like my uncle did. And, um, so my dad was a jeweler though. Like he, Mm. but like a jewelry manufacturer and a designer and he did things that were this big and he didn't really care about cars. Um, although he had an Alfa Romeo Alfetta, a Mm. 75, that he nice, never, nice. yeah, it was, and so he had he had fairly good taste in cars, but he just would he just didn't take care of it well, and and there's speaker injection problems, and we'll, we'll talk about that too. <laughs> um, so anyway, I I said to him, I said, let's let's get this car, and I don't know what he was thinking. I think he had, was a little bit compulsive, um, or impulsive. Anyway. He calls his friend at the gas station and we go over to Dennis the butcher's house and we pick up the Mustang and we drag it back to my parents' house right in the driveway. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I have a car. Like I'm what, 12 or 13. I have this car. Like I'm like, holy crap. So um, my uncle comes over and we're like, yeah, we're going to try to get it started. Motor seized. Like we can't turn it over. There's just nothing happening. It's just like, it's been sitting out. It's, it's musty. And I don't know when the last time Dennis, the butcher drove this thing, but it was like, but, but everything was sort of okay. It wasn't complete crap. What year was this, Mike? This is like the mid eighties ish. Okay. Yeah. Like early, early eighties. Early eighties. So it's, it's only like a 17 year old car. 
Yeah. So it's, <laughs> Isn't it's that crazy. crazy. <laughs> That's so funny. You're right. It's like a, um, it, it's like a 2002 it's like a Jaguar. 2002. Mustang. Yeah, like, You're like, oh man, it's old heap. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Anyway, like, I mean, this is where, like, I, I, uh, I, I, I was like, Dad, let's let's take the engine apart. Let's do something. And he was like, I don't know. My uncle's <laughs> like, Listen, you don't know anything about cars. Your kid, you're just gonna make a mess of this. Why don't you just take the loss? Um, you know, my dad had a friend who had an independent mechanic shop around the corner. He's like, just just give it to you know, Neil Roberts and have him, have him, you know, take a look at it. Neil the mechanic. Neil the mechanic, right. (laughs) Brings it over there. And Neil was this kind of insane-ish, uh, New Zealand, New Zealanders, a Kiwi. A a fucking, probably like, I've, I mean, amazing mechanic, like in the, in the grand, you know, New Zealander can, you know, uh, uh, tradition of being a car, uh, nutty for cars. So my dad goes, listen, take a look at it and then let me know before you do anything, you know, what, uh, what it's going to cost to fix. So, uh, you know, we bring it down there and I, I'm not even, yeah, I stopped thinking about it. Like out of the car, out of sight, out of mind, like, you know how kids are, right? Just uh, the whole world revolves around them. And I moved on to guitars and that was like, and I don't you know. Probably I didn't have I much more than probably not much more than 75 bucks anyway. So yeah, <laughs> like, seven, not gonna, seven, doesn't matter what he comes back with. It's too much. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, next thing, you know, right. <laughs> here comes like a few months later, here comes Neil Roberts driving up the road in you know, this Mustang. And, uh, my dad goes, Oh my God. He goes, I like, I don't know. Like, I guess he remembered that there was this car that he gave this guy <laughs> to fix. Oh, shit. <laughs> exactly. You think, like, and he's like, and, and Neil comes over and he hands him a bill for like 1100 bucks, oh, which, fuck. which was That's money. Money. <laughs> like way not, it was not 75 all of a sudden. Yeah. It's now it's now we're real. It's like 1100 or 1500. I was like, it's like it was a, a lot car. of money. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was a lot of money for my dad. No, it was like, I mean, it was 1963. I don't know, 50s or something. <laughs> um, but it was still like, it was a, a considerable amount of money in the early 80s for a kid who uh, didn't tell his dad, like whose dad didn't say he was going to buy him a car. He was going right. to, you know. Right. So my dad flips out. He goes, I can't believe this fucking guy did this car. And I was like, what? And I, and I didn't think about it then. I was like, you, we didn't even think to like go down there and get an I estimate know, like, or anything. Estimates. There was no thing. Yeah, yeah. Nobody thought anything. It was just really like, you know, it was like, whatever. I don't know what we we're not, not the brightest bulbs. Um, anyway, so the car runs now. And now I'm, I'm also, not only does it run, cause I was expecting it to take a few years to fix. So now the car runs and I can't drive it because you're 12. Um, or whatever. I'm like 13 <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. So my dad and I go to a couple of parking lots. We're driving it around. We have fake plates on it. It doesn't matter. It's the eighties. Nobody cares. Yeah. Um, or if they did, it's eventually they would care. But so I get to drive it a little bit. My sister decides that she's going to move to Vermont to go to school. And my dad goes, Oh, well, here, you just take, take the Mustang. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what do you mean? Take them? Are you kidding me? So <laughs> I was like, Okay, fine. I mean, just bring it back in one piece, whatever. Um, she hated it because it was manual steering. It was three speed. It, you know, it was, it was a very difficult car to drive in the snow and she was going up to Burlington 
and it's uh, like, so snowy up there too. That's like yeah, deep snow. Oh yeah, just yeah. Couldn't, couldn't get snowier. Right, exactly. So she goes up with this car, and and I'm like, well, fuck, you know, like now what do I do? Now I'm back to square one. I don't even have a car, and she's going up there and whatever. And I was like, all right, I guess well, I'll just wait the next couple of years and see what happens. And so she's up there, and then like spring rolls around and she comes back and she's driving a neon green Westphalia Volkswagen bus. Nice. And I'm like, where's the Mustang? Right. Where, where is the Mustang? Right. Oh, I sold it. I needed to bring my stuff back to, I was like, (laughs) um, yeah, so she sold it. She comes back with a fucking neon green Westphalia bus. I never saw my Mustang again. Uh, and then epilogue, she's had a lot more cooler cars than I have. She's had, she went from that. She got a uh, uh, a Carmen Ghia. After that, she had a um, she had a couple of Corvairs. She's had a, a Saab nine nine hundred, uh, like nine hundred turbo. You know, like. Uh, of other thing, a 55, her and my brother-in-law bought a 55 Ford station wagon just on a whim and drove that around for a while. Um, so you want to talk about cars that anybody's owned. That's actually interesting. I'll get, I'll get my sister on the phone. <laughs> um, so what was your first car you actually like drove when you were 16? Right, so first car. So years go by and I, I have, I've spent all my money on guitars and amps and, foot and pedals and shit. And I have like almost no money to buy a car. Like I hadn't really realized that I was not going to have enough money to buy a car. Friend of my friend of mine, his mom says, Hey, I know this old guy who's selling this, this Buick and he only wants 500 bucks for it. If you want to go take a look at it. So I go over to his house and it is the ultimate zero option, lowest level 1973 Buick century you could get. Like, Steelies with the with a center cap. Have to look um, Three speed on the tree. It, it looked like the the um, the Kojak car. It's a four door. It's a four door, okay. right? Um, three on the tree, three fifty two barrel. Um, you know, three speed. What was that? Saginaw, Saginaw three speed. Um, you know, one legger in the back. Yeah, and. Um, he only wanted 500 bucks for it. So I was like, boom, I bought it. It only had 23,000 miles on Whoa. it, right? So this Ooh. is a, yeah, it's like a, you know, and this is like later 80s, like 87, 88. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was a 13-year-old car. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, it seemed like it was so much it older back so then. Old, right? really yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was that was it. And I, I immediately drove it out. And didn't realize that his it, the car had been sitting for like t- probably ten of those thirteen years, Ooh. and the gas was shitty. Mm. And immediately, immediately had to take the whole fuel line apart. Oh, oh So um, that was my first car, and um, that was a great lesson in cars because I. If, if, here's the thing, if YouTube was around back then, I would have known what to do with the three on the tree linkage. Cause there's a video that shows exactly what was wrong with it. Cause it always jammed. 
it always, 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 always jammed. And I would have to, you know, either get underneath it with a ball peen hammer and just like okay. hammer it, you know, until it, it un, unfroze. Um, you know, we greased it, we took it apart, put it back together. And it's still, it's the worst. Do you ever see, you know how those things engage? Like, where it's like not real. I don't think the three on three is torn like apart outside. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. It there's a there's a. It's really interesting because it comes out of the. It goes so right under the hood. There's this weird little linkage, and depending on the position, it either engages this way and then turns, or doesn't engage and they turn separately. Mm. Um, I don't know what that thing is called. <laughs> it's called, <laughs> but. It was the bane of my existence. And then, uh, so <laughs> I took it. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I, I never a, even I thought about three on the tree, like how that goes to the, the you know, yeah, it goes to the transmission on the transmission tunnel. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, it comes off the side, right? Or it comes off the side and then it goes up and under and then out of the front and then, or under the hood. And there's then, just so much stuff that has to go on so to get much, it there, right? So, crazy. so, so much, much like Yeah. By the way, this is a gigantic looking car. I, I just looked it up. I, yeah. What, what yeah, length I, are we talking about here? <laughs> Do we know? <laughs> I mean, what was it? 18 feet, 19 feet? Had to have been, right? It, look, yeah, it, like, it looks like exactly the car that you don't want to work on. I just says it was not, a se- like, <laughs> 73 of this thing. Whoa. Yeah. I think it's gnarly, John Candy would drive or something. Oh, oh my God! Yes, I was John Candy. Blasting <laughs> um, anthrax. So, so it was like if you heard, it was John Candy with like blasting anthrax and Metallica. <laughs> yeah. Out of, out of, and so, right. so, or in, uh, don't uh, they drive something like this in Goodwill Hunting too? Isn't it? Uh, they're all yeah, carpooling in this big old sedan. I don't remember what they Dude, drive. That's that's a good that's a good reference. I don't I don't really remember. So you were in a band. Uh, you mentioned, or at least you were a musician. So. I mean, massive rear seat, or and then also yeah. massive trunk, right? Yeah. The trunk Trunk's bigger like, than the seat, dude, yeah. yeah. The trunk was pretty big. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could get a full, I could get a full um, stack cabinet in the trunk. Wow. And then I could, I had to shove the second one into the back seat. And then, uh, yeah, and then everything else. Well, the guitar is hard because I had to make sure that the amp, the amp was up on the seat and then I would, Put the, put the guitar under the, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a big, it was a big mess, Dude, but yeah. we used to drive around. I mean, it, honestly, for just cruising around town, um, just, just making trouble, sort of trying to stay out of trouble and trying to have the cops not get onto you. Um, because they would, yeah, I mean, you know, small town. I mean, I didn't live in, in the city. So, I mean, I grew up in Westchester. So right. it was, um, yeah, cops were interesting back then because they were, you know, we were, I don't know. We weren't bad kids. We just looked bad. You had anyway. long hair and listened to metal, right? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, the, mean, so oh. then, this is your your what sixteen ish, seventeen. So up to yeah, up to um, seventeen, eighteen, and and I sold when I was nineteen. But what I did was this is a sort of epilogue of this car. Is I brought it to um, a guy who's fr- who's a friend of his was a transmission guy. And he looked at it and he was like, well, there are two things. You can either get a new transmission, right? With the, with the, um, I forgot what it's called, with the actuator coming out of the top as, or else there's no other way to, to do that. So basically make it a floor, uh, floor shift. Yeah. Either make it, well, this is what I, I wanted to, I wanted to make it a floor shift, but the only, the only way to do it with the Saginaw 
that came out the side is he did a, um, he did some kind of, uh, he machined something that, uh, was able to shift, but it's still, you could still see the column, uh, where the, where the, um, <laughs> column shifter would, it would still be like go. a ghost hand yeah. shifting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a ghost. But when we, I took the, I took the, the bar off, but it would still, still see the nub going up and down. <laughs> so I don't know what he did. Like he, he machined something that was, it was, you know what it was? It was a, um, it was the same as a, um, like a Maserati, uh, or, or a Ferrari F1 box that's oh, like yeah. the actuated manual. Yeah. yeah. Except that I was yeah. the robot. Like it's yeah. the robotic manual. I'm the robot moving it. Like it's basically that it's just actually moving the thing. Yeah. Uh, that shouldn't be. And, and the, the, the alternative was to have gotten a, a proper like three, three speed or four speed, you know, but yeah. I, that that cost me probably it probably would have cost the same because it ended up costing seven hundred dollars. Oh wow! That yeah, thing. that's a lot of money, dude. I'm sure you could have got more than the car. Yeah, cost. you could have yeah. got yeah. a junkyard so, and got a transmission for sure. So the reason yeah. I asked your age was because you mentioned when when you were at uh, Tom, Dennis or Tommy the butcher. Dennis, Dennis, Dennis the butcher. Tommy the butcher just sounds a little more gangster. Tommy the butcher <laughs> is a gangster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you were going there, you were bringing your matchbox. You were into cars already. Um, so that obviously you expressed some interest early on. That's why he offered you the car. Like at yeah. this point, are you still into cars? Do you care about cars or is it all about music and you're just, you're just rolling in this thing? Yeah. So, I mean, I never, it, it, for, it was mostly about music, but I was, so I didn't own anything good, but I did read all the magazines. Right. So when oh, okay. the city, in the city, I had a, uh, a Honda Nighthawk. So I was, I was getting around by motorcycle and uh, I, cause I ended up, so I went to, um, Albany state first and then I, I bummed around the other Sunnis. And then the last two years I spent at New York university, uh, downtown. So eventually moved away from the car completely, got the motorcycle. And, and that was how I, how I got around. Um, the, so I didn't have a car, but I read the magazines and I don't think after that I got, I finally got a car. I bought a right off the lot, the end of the year, uh, Toyota pickup. And that was, uh, 90. Yeah. But it was a two, it was a two wheel drive. I really, I, there was a, <laughs> it was really cheap. I think it was 8,500 all in brand new. What year was uh, this? And it blue, that, that dark blue. So, like, so, what so, year so is we're this? talking short cab 90, or short well, bed, 95, short yeah. bed, single cab. Manual pre Tacoma single cab, single cab short bed manual. Yes. That's yeah. that's rad. Those are super cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and and it was I had that thing, so I had that for about uh up until I bought the MR2 Spider. So that would have been up until about 2005, so almost 10 years. Probably How many, 10 miles? Years. Really? How many miles did you put on it? Um, I, I mean, really, like I think by by the end it was like 90, and I sold it to a guy who, as it turns out, ended up sending it to South America hmm. to sell it there probably huh. for twice. Yeah. He bought it for 90,000 miles, practically new, right? In South oh, it's America. Practically new. <laughs> I mean, if I'm telling you, I, I think it probably had another like four, four lifetimes of that yeah. because like, oh, yeah, at least. I it, yeah. I mean, I sold it for like 2,800 bucks, which I probably could have got, I, I don't know. I probably should have gotten more, but I, yeah, I <laughs> busted it up a little bit and the, bed was a little like i yeah i was throwing shit in there and you so know they, ten, a 10 year old pickup that so i didn't 2008 
What was the MR, the MR2 Spider was 2000? Well, the MR2, so MR2 Spider was 2005 that I had, but it was oh, okay. a 2000. So, okay. Um, so, and you were writing, so that, that, at that point you're writing for Jalopnik. Yeah, I was writing for Jalopnik. I didn't want a Miata because I needed to be different. Um, and then I just fell in love with it. I just drove it. I, I saw it on the lot and I, I just went in and said, Hey, can I drive that thing? And the guy was like, yeah, I mean, there's nobody else in the dealership. And like, um, and I did. And I was like, holy shit, this is the perfect around town sports car. Cause I, I wasn't, I was still like for most days I, I spent at, um, uh, at home. And so I wasn't commuting and I didn't really need anything that, um, and I, I, you know, I just needed that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like, I needed that, that car. And, I, and, and it was like, it was perfect for what I wanted. And, um, uh, yeah. And, and it ended up, I just loved it. So that, that I got it sort of on a whim. Um, and I kept that. And do you still have too. that or so, no? That's up at my mom's. I need to deal with it. It's a car okay. I need to deal with. I feel absolutely terrible for leaving it um, up there and it needs some attention. We'll say. Gotcha. So what kind of, when you were a kid, uh, what kind of cars were you kind of like dreaming about? Were they sports cars and, and all that? And so was this yeah, like your great, first example? Yeah. That's a really good question. Cause I, I grew up on the cusp of muscle cars and uh, it, it's really sort of interesting because I grew up in a town that was largely sort of, it was pretty much working class. And we, you know, we all just sort of assumed that at some point we would have a Chevelle um, with a 427 in it. And it was, it would be up like that at some right. level. Yeah. And that was the, it was the stuff like my neighbors, you know, she was dating a guy who drove a 68 GTO that I was in love with. Um I down the street had a 66 uh, Chevelle, like the long version that I loved. I thought it was amazing. It was 396, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was. Yeah, Sounds it could right. have been. Um, uh, a lot of big blocks in town. Then the, like the, another neighbor had a, had, the, had a Nova. And then my sister was dating a guy who had a 74 Z28 and his brother had a Nova SS and they swapped. Um, I don't know why they did that, but like, so I was getting to ride around town in a 74 Z28 that I really liked. So, so when I was growing up young, when I was young, it was all about muscle cars. Yeah, At so we, some it, point, weirdly, we, it was kind of similar for us too. In high school, there was like, when we were freshmen, all of the older kids had like rad muscle cars and that was like the scene. But then at the same time, you know, we were kind of, we were into this sports car stuff too, but it was like, all of it, like all of it was rad. But the era before us, uh, like before that, like actually Spinelli, you're like 10 years older than us, maybe or something, I think. Um, Probably. but yeah, that somewhere. era was all VW bugs out here. Wow. So yeah. it was all yeah. bugs, oh, like yeah. Cali style bugs and stuff like that. At least like in yeah. Santa Cruz, I was like, totally. the, that was really yeah. cool. So yeah, yeah. Yep. What was the bug magazine? Cause I used to get that. Hot once VWs or VW, VW trends. Yeah. VW Trends and Hot VW. Yeah. They always had a girl on the cover next to a Cali style bug with some cool graphics on the side. So there was a guy. All right. When I was in high school, one of the cars that I was in love with that the guys had around town was this one weird dude had a black. It's like a 60. Well, when did they change the headlight? 
the Beetle headlights. Sixty-seven. Oh, oh, so oh, sixty-seven well, was a change, but then in they here. it wasn't like other. I think a sixty-seven well, was, was like it? one year only or something. Yeah, it was. Well, it was sixty-seven twelve yeah. volt or something? But it still looked like no, no. Well, it, or was it, I think sixty-six yeah, was still twelve volt too? But um. So this guy, this must have been later. So it was either like a sixty-nine or seventy. So it was like a big bumper car as opposed to the little bumpers. That's yeah, the big pretty difference. Sure the big yeah, that's yeah. 69. Although I'm sure, I think he pulled the bumper off. Uh, I mean, I, it was nice. So, but it was, it was not, it was a big tail lights. It was, yeah, yeah, uh, yes, big tail lights. Um, it was wider and he had a worked type four motor in it that he had done himself. And I remember I was in, I was in my car and I passed him this, you know, sort of this way. And I remember hearing it and going, what in the shit does he have? <laughs> and I ended up, I found out where he lived and, um, I just stopped over there while he was working on it one day just to see it. Cause it was like, and he had like, I don't remember the wheels on it were like, do you remember, remember the, um, the Kreger, uh, center lines? Yeah. Yeah. The, like, yeah. The, 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 I, the, 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 no holes or no holes. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember, I don't, I don't think they made those particular wheels for, Beatles, no, those but, were popular. Yeah, they did. Yeah. did they? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's what he had. Yeah. And it was, and he, it was wide. And That's a full on 80s style Volkswagen. Skinny, skinny yeah. fronts. Yeah. 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 yeah and then yeah. the big stinger out the back or something, you know, usually. Yeah. So. And, and that's exactly, and it was like, and the whole back was open because why, you know, yeah. why not? I don't know. Yeah. And it was, it was so cool. And from then on, I wanted, I was voted most likely to get a, Baja bug. Ah, that's <laughs> I never got one. But it was mostly because of, because I fell in love with that car and I kept talking about it and I, and I was like, every, all my friends were like, you know, uh, yeah, shut the fuck up about it. Um, but, but most, but it's funny because most of my friends. So the crazy thing about the interest, actually, the interesting thing culturally about the muscle car is that because of the malaise era, the muscle car era for 16 to 20 year olds, ended up lasting all the way into the early 90s. So when we were in high school, everybody drove muscle cars. Everybody drove drove American cars because they were cheap. Um, a couple of guys had like Datsun B210s or something, but, you know, Zs were too expensive for us. Um, so, uh, I mean, I don't remember a lot of, uh, I don't remember a lot of Porsches around um, among like older Porsches that some kids might have had, but, um, a friend of mine had a 69 GTX, a GTX, a Plymouth GTX that was amazing. Um, a lot of guys had, uh, Camaros and stuff. And we used to go out and race, uh, in Yonkers on Central Avenue. And I raced a guy in what I thought was like one of those shitty turbo Regals. Oh, yeah. Right? Turned out to be a type, uh, a what do you call it? Type. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that they made, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like I thought, so, so yeah, the Grand National was a thing, right? But if, but if a Regal said turbo on it and wasn't black, I thought it was all just the same, no intercooler, like shitbox 301 regular turbo, yeah. right? And I raced this guy thinking that, yeah, I mean, I could be a, I actually was in my friend I, I, for my friend's seventy nine Trans Am, right with the with the, the the Oldsmobile motor, the three hundred four hundred three motor. So it wasn't really that quick to begin with. And this guy takes off and he just, just destroys destroys me. 
So we drive into the Nathan's parking lot because this is where the Nathan's speaking of hot dogs, right? right? Yeah, yeah. This is where everybody would meet up in Yonkers. So I go in there and I I go, dude, what do you got going on? Because like when he he beat me with malice of forethought, like there was like it was it was crazy, (laughs) and I had never seen it. But it was like I had never even seen a Grand National do that, right? You know, like I was like something's going on here. I go in there and I sound too. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, ah, he goes, you know, I was like, and, and by, the, by the way, I'm doing this voice. It's like the fat Tony Salerno voice. Yeah. Cause it, it's, it's like, he's like 17. right? <laughs> he's like, Oh my God, guy, guy. He's been I smoking for 12 years. <laughs> right. He's already been smoking for 12 yeah. years. He goes, I got it. I got a secret. I he goes, uh, yeah, I, you know, I got a secret weapon. I was like, what are you talking about? Opens the hood and he goes, it's chipped. And I go, <laughs> and I went, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think it was, I don't remember if it was mega, mega chips or I don't know if it was super chips. Oh, yeah. Super chip. One of the company, one of the chip companies, their very first chip was the 3800 Buick motor. Huh. Um, and I don't remember which one it was because I tried about 10 or 12 years ago, I tried to get in touch with them to talk about that story. Um, because like the first time I was ever totally destroyed by a car that was chipped was, you know, on, on Central Avenue in Yonkers and it was a T-type. Um, but I never did, but that's what it was. And it was like, holy fucking shit. And, and it, I mean, it probably, you know, what was it? Zero to 60 in. Like seven you know, seconds or something. Yeah, like <laughs> six point eight, you know, instead of yeah, yeah. seven or something. Um, but it was still quick and it was still much quicker than a smog seventy nine yeah, long stroke Camaro with hundred and thirty eight horsepower or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean by seventy nine, so what did that have? So it didn't have the four hundred, so it was a four oh three old and it had it revved to like six thousand, maybe or I doubt, five. I doubt it was <laughs> that high. Yeah, no, it wasn't even that. You're right. It was like, it was probably like 5,000 yeah, or something. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was 175 horsepower, yeah, right. three twenty-five pounds feet, maybe something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, ah, and then, yeah, you know, um, anyway, yeah, yeah. So that's the, that was that story. And, um, and so I realized like the world had changed at that, at that moment, I realized the world had changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then a few years later, Hondas got fast. And then that was like, what the hell is that about? Yeah, so. <laughs> That's another chapter. So, um, That's another chapter, right? Exactly. So, you know, on the Thursday show, part one, I guess we're calling it, of Spinelli on DWA, you talked about kind of early Jalopnik and all of that and how that developed and how, how it started, well, the reasoning behind it, all that. Um, and so... W- you're still an automotive journalist. You're still in the digital space. You're still doing stuff there. But what what is it that you're doing now? Oh, good question. Well, okay, so um so so right now, uh we are uh we're, we're in the process of sort of rebuilding uh the drive.com. What what happened was, I don't know if you remember um so it's been a lot, God, it's been a long road. It's been, and it's a lot has happened in a few years. So I'll just try to, you know, make this quick. Cause I don't want to be again too <laughs> long. The, the drive channel 
lasted up until let's say 2014 or 15. YouTube had eliminated the um, the grant program. We were uh, sort of casting around trying to figure out what to do. Time Inc. came in and said, uh, well, or, I for those that don't know, the grant program basically gave you guys a bunch of money to produce content, yeah. car, t- car content, yeah. content. And, uh, yes. you basically didn't have to make money on the content because you had money coming in from this, from YouTube, essentially. Yes. And so what, what YouTube did back then was they wanted to get people to stop watching puppy videos and watch longer form stuff. And then also they wanted to, to uh, bring in a lot of data about people's watching habits if there was better quality content. So, yeah, I mean, so we pitched the idea for the Drive channel, or JF Musial did, um, and asked me uh, asked me if I wanted to help him out and do, you know, do the channel with him. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so, the, so YouTube, uh, we were on the hook for 130 hours of content a year. Um, and, and YouTube gave us, you know, a, 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 about, I mean, it was like, I mean, like, I mean, to the tune of like a million bucks. I mean, it was like a lot of money back then. But we had to produce 130 hours of content with it. So it didn't, it wasn't really that much money, but it was a, it was a fair amount. Uh, it was a lot to conceptualize. Pretty but, nice so Jeff, compensation though. And well, well, <laughs> I mean, the compensation, I mean, but the, the, as it turns out, you know, I'm like, I mean, most of that money went into, uh, it went to producing videos. I mean, we made yeah. very little of it for ourselves. Um, because we were, I mean, honestly, like JF, I don't know if you've ever had JF on the show or if you know JF at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I think only I have met him probably, but yeah. So JF is, is a, um, still still producing really good videos for commercial clients, but like a real stickler for stuff. And he had a, a good friend, Josh Vitsa, who was a designer and they came up with really great packaging for the thing. Um, a really good idea of what we wanted. And we wanted to do the most premium content because we had been casting around for a few years and trying to figure out how to do the content we wanted to do. And this was like, we have this opportunity. We're going to, you know, we're going to get the guys that we, want to work with, you know, Farah, Harris, Musto, um, uh, Leo Parente and like, and, and, and produce a real channel of five days worth of content and really do this thing, right. Do the packaging, right. Um, and so it was a lot of money and it's definitely like, if I were a YouTuber now, I'd want to punch me in the face for having that kind of, those kinds of resources back then. But it was, you, you know, there wasn't, there was really no no appetite on YouTube for longer form content, and so that's why they that's why they did this, and they did it across all kinds of different verticals, right? They did it in the fitness category, and fashion category, and you know other stuff, health health and wellness or whatever, um, and also automotive. So Motor Trend ended up getting it. Uh, we got it. Um, Car and Driver got it. Um, I'm, I'm leaving a few out, but I can't remember exactly who. Um, and funny to remember, the biggest automotive YouTuber back then was, take a guess, Sob Kyle. All right, Sob Kyle. We just talked about Sob Kyle. Yeah. So Sob Kyle was, I don't know if he got a grant, but I know that he was uh, the the biggest independent YouTuber back then. So I mean, that's, that's sort so of funny. interesting, you know, bit of, bit of, uh, car YouTuber 
trivia. Um, yeah. So, so we just <laughs> we did that, and um, you know, did it as long as as uh, YouTube let us, and then um, tried to figure out the business after the fact. And so the way they did it, they did it was was it was sort of like music business, right? We had a, a an advance, and we had to sell. They had to sell enough advertising against it to pay back the advance, right? That's that was how it was supposed to work. And then if they couldn't sell enough ads, we would be off the hook. But they would make a good faith attempt to sell enough ads to make that money back. But before we got, you know, I mean, before we saw any their profits, I mean, that, you know, that wouldn't have, we would have had to see at least a million bucks or something of ad deals on top of what they spent. Mm. So it was like being in an indie band that signed to a big label we got to do all this cool shit, but like, we didn't, we didn't put anything in our pockets. I mean, with that mm, right. back then. So yeah, you're kind of, you're fine. making a name for yourself and, and getting to do this, the content yeah. you want. Yeah. And the, and the thing is like, I had my freelance thing that I was doing. I was still writing a little bit for Jalopnik. Um, I was doing a show for Jalopnik on drive called Jalopnik on drive. Um, and so, you know, we were figuring it out a, a you know, around the periphery as well as doing this thing that, that YouTube was supporting. Um, and at the same time, like Motor Trend was pretty smart about it. I mean, they were using their money to do uh, sort of cool stuff. And um, they did, that was when they first started those drag races and the, des- you know, the sort of wacky drag yeah. race stuff mm-hmm. that they did, which was really brilliant. Yeah. Um, so my favorite, uh, I mean, you guys obviously produced, a ton of really cool shit. As you said, you, you got a hold of some really awesome people. Uh, my favorite drive video that, that that's very memorable for me is the P- McLaren P1, Chris Harris, and Abu Dhabi. That is still one of my favorite videos. I actually went and looked at, looked back or checked it out recently. Like it was just so well done with and understanding, like just from uh, Jeff's or Measles perspective, right? Like what he's talked about, like kind of like how little you guys had to work with, how little time you had to work with, like all that stuff for that shoot. Like it was so, it was such an um, impactful, is that the right word? Very compelling piece of uh, content, I guess. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I I think that, yeah. I mean, if you ever heard uh, Harris and JF talked about it on, on, Chris did a a podcast, I think, for collecting cars. Um, Right, yeah. So it's a great story, and JF remembers it, you know, uh, better. And I wasn't, I wasn't there in Abu Dhabi, so I don't remember exactly how it happened. But, but I think that was part of the thing was that JF and the production team learned a lot about how to do really good video um, off the cuff. I mean, they really, they really figured that out, and and a lot of it was just out of necessity. But a lot of it, they sort of, we sort of learned along the way. Like, oddly, like, they, I remember them learning a bunch of stuff from the, they met the Australian Top Gear uh, team at some automotive event. And they, they helped out with, like, a few things about camera placement and, you know, where to, where like, sound placement to get the best sound. Um, so, like, it, it was like, by the time they got to Abu Dhabi, like they they knew how to catch that stuff um in a very sort of documentary style um mm. and i mean honestly you know harris uh his freaking car control in that um in that 
case was just insane. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, he likes to say that he's not as good as a professional driver, and that may be the case, but like, he can make that he, if it wasn't for having him able to make those moves to get those shots in the, I mean, in him knowing where to put the car sideways in that way, um, we wouldn't have been able to do it. So a lot of it is him. The other thing is like the, I remember the test driver from McLaren, Chris re recounts this, looked down and saw Chris drifting around in the P1 and said, I, I can't watch this. This is not, <laughs> no, it's like he was you know, his baby. Like he wasn't going to, it was, you know, um, and the slow motion so, in that so, video yeah. is great too. Uh, if I remember yeah. correctly, it's like, uh, yeah, such a good combo. I, I haven't watched that video in a long time. Now, now I kind of want to go back and look, but the f blinking of the lights just because yeah. of the frame well, rate is so with him yeah. smoking tires sideways. It's good. Yeah. I mean, ultimately that looked really cool, but when top gear shot it with, um, top gear shot it that same night with, uh, um, uh, Hammond was driving, um, their guys, dialed that out you know what i mean like when they mm. so when they went to produce it like there we were youtube guys like we left the blinking lights in you know what Very i mean but like the television guys <laughs> that to say. yeah so that's the difference so then yeah. you get so you guys have all this budget uh you're d doing really cool shit around the world cool people and then at some point this grant program ends and how, how, what happens to the drive yeah i mean so well i mean we so youtube gave us uh, a choice we could do. Well, I think YouTube said we've got this paper, you know, pay-per-view thing that you can do. And so I think that we did it and we completely, I, I mean, looking back on it, we totally mishandled it. And I think that, I, I think that we weren't, it happened so fast that we didn't really have enough time to think about the implications of what we were doing putting things behind a, a behind a paywall and doing mm. shorter versions and being more like changing the content so that users actually got seem to be getting less. Yeah. It was kind of less content for, for money now. For more money. Yeah, for yeah, money. yeah. And I think that, I think in a lot of ways, we didn't realize that people wouldn't just say, Oh, I get it. Yeah. We got to, yeah, we'll do it. You know, if we had just said to people, you know, we're in this position, if, if, you know, to, if you want to support us, we'll give you, you know, we'll, maybe we cut down on the number of shows that we put out and we put out full stuff. And then here's, here's the paywall. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like that hindsight is, is a bitch because like, I, I really like looking at it now, like I, I, I think we could have, um, it, because ultimately it worked like it, the, 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 the thing that most people don't know is that it worked. It, it was, it was producing enough income for us to keep producing shows. Mm. I'll be you know, a lot less of them, a lot fewer of them, but um, it was working. And if we had just, uh, I don't know, we, I, I think it was just not, it wasn't right for us then to, to mm. continue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. You know, you, you sort of look back and you go, well, fuck, you know, if only we had done this or if only we had done that. I mean, I, uh, I think Harris left, right? Wasn't that a thing? Yeah. Harris, Harris went. He like left pretty early, like right after that happened. Yeah. He left, he went to do his own thing. Um, Harris on cars. I mean, you know, that, that didn't, I, I mean, I think, 
I think he sort of took one for the team a bit, even though it was like sucked to not have him. Um, yeah. Well, we were also doing the TV show at that point. So, oh, so, yeah. so there was that, I mean, it, I think that if we had a good business development person at the time, and this is just me spitballing now this many years later, um, we might've been able to surf it a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just the, it was the wrong, we were, we were all just creatives. Like we didn't, we weren't business people. Like I was, it's pretty, I mean, I know it's that, pretty tricky. I mean, even today it's hard. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's a yeah. well-proven thing with, uh, <laughs> yeah. motor trend and all that. So, um, guys, I apologize. I have to bail, but you guys please continue and, um, I'll catch up on the convo on Sunday. Sure. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, Mike. Thanks so much for joining us, man. And uh, we'll chat later. Yeah. Uh, you know, all right. guys. Yeah. All right. Fun. Later. Later, Art. Bye, Art. We're probably yeah getting to the point of trivia. Anyhow. Uh, oh, okay. Great. How does that sound? Sure. Late for you. I mean, we're we're uh, a little earlier than you out there, Mike. But uh, although abbreviated, I do want to hear. So, I I know all this kind of it all kind of collapsed. And yeah. then now you got some new kind of yeah, good, people came right. into the drive, right? Right. So finishing, finishing yeah, yeah. that story. Um, Time Inc. bought the channel. Uh-huh. And I went over to work for Time Inc. at, at thedrive.com. Um, and sort of, I was, I started, the drive.com started in September. By the time the deal finished up, I ended up there in February. And we started producing a little, you know, some more content again. And we, I had actual, an actual budget. I'm the only one who went over there to work there. Mm. So I was working with, um, I you remember Ryan Semantic who did, uh, um, uh, my life is a rallyist and we did. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we pretty, yeah, you did like the E30. And- yeah. We did the E30, uh, uh-huh. series, um, uh, born a car. Yeah. We did some, I, some fun, I mean, really fun stuff. I mean, everybody by then had gone off to do their own thing. Yeah. Um, so I sort of grabbed who was still around and we did some cool stuff. And then about three months in time Inc zeroed out that budget and said, uh, yeah, that's, we're not going to do that anymore. Huh. You, the only thing you guys can do is support the editorial team. We did, you know, it was okay. Once in a while we could do something interesting, but it wasn't really, we would never, you know, we weren't ever able to, you know, go get back to producing like we used to on the channel, which was the whole point of going over there really. I mean, right, really, right. it was a big point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then time Inc ended up getting bought by this Midwestern magazine company called Meredith. Meredith specializes in women's content. They were very good at it. And they decided that they were going to stick with that. And the men, they ended up selling all the men's and general purpose stuff. So time, time magazine went sports illustrated, went money, fortune, uh, essence, you know, a bunch of their magazines went and then, uh, they gave us te- uh, they gave us six months to find a new place to live, and so through um, uh, Alex Roy knew a guy who was um, sort of in the financial world and was sort of interested in um, getting into media, but was also like a fanatic for pre-merger AMGs. So I knew we had a lot to talk about. That's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So he came over. We uh, Andrew Perlman. We had a really really good first talk. You know, we had a lot of fun. Um, realized that uh, he had a pretty good plan. Um, we were always concerned about being bought by a private equity group because private equity sort of t- tends to have a bad 
uh, a bad reputation, but they they seem to have a good plan that was, you know, that that was reasonable and and fair and uh, interesting and also like something that I think could work in a business sense. So um, they, you know, Time Inc. and Meredith, to their credit, helped us get that to get that deal done. And um, yeah, so now we're over and we're owned by a company called North Equity, which, um, you know, I mean, it it sounds ominous, I guess, if you're worried about uh, the way that private equity does things. But um, yeah, we're 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 back to growing the the thing and starting basically started from scratch again, and you know, have pa- Patrick George came over from Jalopnik, uh, Kyle Tromka from who was at. Uh, the drive before uh, became editor in chief, and um, yeah, and 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 Tyler Rogaway from the Warzone uh, brought the Warzone over too. So yeah, I mean, it's I, I think you know we're doing real well over there, and um, yeah, we're looking those those guys are out looking for um, other brands that you know we're, we're sort of building a playbook that we can use to um, bring other brands into the into the network and. Um, make them good and, and produce good content again. And I think that it's really fun to be in a small company right now when, you know, being in a large media company is in most cases, not really tenable or in, in you know, unfortunately in Jalopnik's case, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going on on the inside there, but um, it's very not difficult to be owned by it's fun, right? Like yeah. yeah. And just so you guys are focusing, um, are you going to focus on video again, or is that kind of I mean, not the cards? Well, you know, it's interesting because video, now that I'm a spreadsheet guy, I mean, video is a very, very difficult thing to do if you're not Doug Demir. I mean, Doug, I mean, I, I honestly, like, Doug found the thing, right? Well, zero so, budget, and he has this thing, right? So, yeah, yeah, and he has this unboxing of cars thing and whatever. Yeah. But like, so so it's very difficult, and, like, it's, it's hard to be, to do this top down. I mean, this is sort of what we were starting to talk about before is that media coming from the ground up, especially on YouTube is in a lot of ways, very similar to what was happening when Jalopnik was doing. Um, it's, it's very much driven by an individual, you know? Um, and so whether it's Jason or, or, or Rob Doug or whoever, here are the straight pipes, you know what I mean? It's like, you, you know, these are guys that, that, Start, I mean, they, it, it's great. I, I love it. I mean, it's difficult for me as a media guy, but like it's, I love it as a concept that these guys are able to start, you know, doing these compelling videos from basically from their garage. And Chris Fix, I mean, Chris Fix is the hardest working man in show business. You know what I mean? That guy's talking about hustle. He's got that three times the hustle that I had at Jalopnik. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like, there's a lot of great, a lot of great stuff. And so I'm enjoying it. So, but like, yeah. I mean, then when I look at my spreadsheet and I go, yeah, you don't really want to compete with that either. Right? I don't want to like, compete with it. And then it, cost, start, it would cost you a fortune to do it as well. Right, yeah. right. And then I start thinking like, what is it that I can offer them? And if it's nothing, then that's fine. I mean, that's then, but is, if, is there something that we as a media company can offer them? And if that is a couple of weeks off with pay, you know what I mean? Like, I think maybe, maybe it's like, if the if the difficulty of producing that content ends up to be the grind over the over a certain amount of time, maybe that's something we can help them with. But I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like I'm. I think that's something that we're trying to figure out. Where I mean, everybody is. I mean, video is the. I mean, right now it's it's the cornerstone of 
where people are getting their information from. Like, I mean, right. yeah. you have to be there in some way. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we all, I know all of us watched McLaren T50 videos last week, right? Yeah, like, right. That was a big thing, and everyone watched all the, you know, a lot of us watched multiple videos on it, you know? Yeah. Um, from all these different resources, you know, Top Gear and wherever yeah. else, you know? So, um, right. I mean, we, you know, we put up the video that they gave us, but like if we could have been there, yeah, we probably would have done something. So, what, yeah. where, where is, uh, where do I find the, is it YouTube? Is that the spot? No, it's the drive Yeah. So, we, so basically what, what happened was, we um, we pulled everything back to whatever we owned because we when we were at Time Inc we were sort of dragged through the you have to try every social media and make it you know you know we were bouncing back and forth from from you know Facebook Live to Instagram Live Snapchat to this and that and like they were and at the end of the day like as it turned out like you know social media native brands popped up like Donut and um, uh, and you guys and, you know, a, a bunch of others that just did social much better because they were better prepared for it. And so we just said, listen, you know what works for us? Buying apples and selling apples. Like we're going back to the things that we own and operate ourselves, going back to the website. We're going to focus on building a good ad stack for, for our programmatic business. And we're going to hire the guys that, that we know can, can, um, can produce good stuff and let's just get, get it going. So that's what we did. And, and so, you know, social is, is fine for us, but like, you know, you can't compare us on social to like, you know, uh, you know, like a, a big, well, what am I thinking of? Um, car, uh, speed, um, whatever, you know, speed hunters or well, oh no, it's not speed hunters. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, you I just mean, mentioned that, Donut, sort of, which is a pretty good example, actually. Yeah, or yeah. Donut, yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and, and yeah, well, so basically what we did was we just went back to the fundamentals of running a small business and we went there. And that's mm-hmm. that's been really satisfying for me because, you know, I think when you work for a 100-year-old media company that's so big that you have to sort of, you have, you both have to think large and also very modular and now it's just like what what do we think is good on a certain day and how can we do it hey, you're back to your roots right you're back to early days of jalapenic I mean, somewhat I mean, yeah i mean some we're, we're still working on it we're still developing it um but it I, is like the drive is like a go-to daily news yeah. blog essentially our exactly. blog right so yeah. um it is the place where you're going to go and you're going to get the T50, the Gordon Murray T50 video, and you're going to get an article about, I don't know, whatever, yeah. um, a, a Radwood car that's interesting on bring a trailer exactly. or, or yeah. whatever. I'm so, looking at yeah. symptom of a rad fuel wasn't... pump. Uh, right. And then, <laughs> here's a Miata feature, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I know a exactly. few, I remember, I, there's been a few things like that have popped up that we've talked about. I remember there was, what was it? Do you remember that one? There was like a Metro, like a V8 or something. Oh, it was yeah. a crazy car, and it was simply a drive article that yeah. that we were referring to the whole time. Um, Brian, I think you had 
come up with it. But anyway, I thought it was the well, Fiesta yeah, I mean, on the or the Festiva Fiesta. on a Miata chassis, yep. and yeah, it was. Oh wow, yes. Yeah. Um, what I mean, yeah, we're sort of doing, you know, sort of, we're, yeah, we are in a lot of ways. We are back to the roots. It's sort of like, what's the cultural moment? What are the cultural moments in cars today? You know what I mean? Um, in some cases, like, I, I think during COVID, people have been looking for sort of more escapist stuff. So like something that did really well for us was, um, we did, uh, uh, Peter Holder, you know, him from bald tires. So mm-hmm. Peter yeah. Wright, he, he did a parody site that was on Twitter that did a bunch that, that sort of was like really interesting for a while. I'm still mm-hmm. doing it. Um, but um, Pete, Peter did a thing on this uh, land train that was built in the fifties. That was, you know, sort of this giant sort of centipede like vehicle that went through the Arctic. Um, and, and that did really well. So it's like, it's that stuff. And then, you know, we're sort of looking down the road at what how can we help people do things you know what i mean i think that's so a little less like like check out the new accord and more yeah, more yeah. interesting Culture uh, kind of yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is we're not we don't um right now we are in a we're in a position where we don't no no advertising salesperson is telling us we have to cover every piece of new product because their deal is on the line you know what I mean? Because that's yeah. what happens. It's not, I think the, the thing that most people think about automotive media is that they tell the ad sales guys tell you not to be negative. It's not necessarily that it's them telling you that you have to cover everything because at some point they're going to have to walk into the, the Kia marketing agency hmm. and show them what you're covering. And mm-hmm. it, and they don't normally, they don't care whether it's good or bad. They just want to know it's there. You know what I mean? If it's real bad, then you don't, and they're not going to show it to them, but it's just like, you know, um, when it comes to marketing, it's very different than the PR situation. The marketing guys just want to know that product is covered here that they can put their messaging next to. And so, you know, PR guys, like if you, if you're good at criticizing their cars, they're fine with it because uh, a lot of the product guys get, you know, like I'm sure like there are guys that Camisa has, talked to and they've gone back and said, you know, yeah, let's, let's revisit this, you know, um, let's revisit these spring rates because or something, you know, because of that. Um, so I, I think the, the idea that, that PR people will cut you off immediately if you say something negative is a bit overblown. It's just that if you are an, if you're, if you're not, if you, if you're unfair in a way where you're saying like the, this looks like a fish or that is that's ugly or this is um, yeah you just can't you're saying this car's stupid and then you're moving on that's like they want they yeah. want you to be very like you know if you're saying the shifter's bad why is the shift why bad? is it good? like right. like explain to me like don't just say it's bad because that's an opinion that can be an opinion right yeah like, tell me yeah. that i had a hard time getting into third gear or something right like, exactly yeah i mean that's the thing is what they want is they want to know that you're in you're doing your job in good faith Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't. And I, I mean, I don't even know if it's a lot of people anymore because I just I don't read enough stuff to know. But yeah. I think I think that's the thing is, are, are you good at your job and are you acting good faith? I mean, that's it. I mean, that's yeah. that's the whole business in, in a nutshell. Um. Anyway, so that's that's cool. It's, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're kind of having, I don't know. 
like you're kind of reborn there at least. That's a <laughs> well, cool, it's, cool thing. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I'm the general manager, so I deal with all the things. Like I deal with the spreadsheets, and I deal with what are we going to be doing in yeah. a year? What are we doing in six months and five years? So um, it's a lot of things that I didn't have to think about before, but it's um, it's kind of satisfying for where I am right now. I drive fewer cars, unfortunately, but it's um, yeah, it's really interesting to look at to deconstruct what it is. Try to answer those questions that we were talking about before. Is yeah, where's automotive media going to be in a year or five years or ten years? Uh, one thing I will, the one thing that I did enjoy that you did, we actually used to do it on the, I think we did it like. We would do it like when we first started the podcast was kind of like the bring a trailer. Like, what would you buy for this amount of money? You did that with the classic, uh, the the uh, classic cars. Why, why do I yeah, not classic car club man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of our. So favorites. those were super fun, and those yeah. didn't seem like they would be too expensive to produce. No, that's um, and it's right down the street from your office, and uh, uh, that's, I kind of missed that. You know, it's yeah. Like a, well, it's it's really interesting because I started doing that because I wanted to leave more money. So we did that specifically to eat up time so that Harris could have more money to drift cars around. Gotcha. I mean, it was like, I'm going to do, do a talk show in a fake living room mm-hmm. that costs $50 a show to produce um, because we need to eat up 130 hours. And so that's how it started. But at the end of the day, like, we actually had a lot of fun on that show talking about whatever. And um, I really sort of, that's another area of regret that we didn't do a better job turning that into, you know, a, a continuing podcast or something. I think you could bring it back. I mean, it was, it was super fun. And I, I mean, I think I watched them all. And uh, I remember you guys would like shout out. Uh, I always remember you guys would shout out Jim Bauer. And I'm like, I know yeah, Jim Bauer. Cause, uh, he bought that for the, I think it was an M. Like a, it was a, a three series, series tour. and, uh, touring, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, um, yeah, so that was kind of yeah, a, that was we, I, and I had no idea who he was until you got, I think, I think Art mentioned, yeah, that. yeah, he's a super um, cool guy. He has like a really cool mint green Porsche. And, um, um, he's a, he's cute. in the BMX industry. He like works for Odyssey, I think. And, oh, that um, makes but cool. yeah, he's a super cool guy. And then, um, but yeah, that was always, it was a really fun show. And like we had done, that actually i think it was the first week of the bringer trailer auctions in 2014 we had a show and it was like um it was like fifty-eight thousand dollars for an e30 m3 we could do better than that and each of us had to pick five five cars to the total 58 grand and uh, you know on any site bring a trailer ebay whatever craigslist and we had to choose those you know, to replace that instead of that M3. And then for you guys to do it, it was like pretty cool to see, you know, it was like, well, oh yeah, we did this. <laughs> <laughs> that is really, it's really funny. Cause when we were trying to figure out what to do, we just, we just started doing the stuff that we would normally do. Cause I like, we, me yeah, it's like an email, over. right? Let's like, yeah. email your friends and stuff. Right. I mean, and I used to go over to the club, like, and we would end up like, I would go over there for some reason or first for a meeting and end up like it would be nine o'clock and it, like we've been talking for five hours about right. stuff and we we're like well why don't we make this a, a show yeah <laughs> that's um, how this podcast was started actually yeah pretty right. much yeah. <laughs> i think that's how a lot of car park uh, yeah. yeah yeah and it's cool and you guys have like randy nonenberg on and stuff like yeah. you know 
Rumbring a trailer. So and it has, it has the thing, elements, like, right? Like beautiful background, right? And then you yeah, guys have the, the right cars. equipment so you can get the nice focus and, uh, you know, it's just well, well shot. Uh, and then you just get regular guys who are super enth- enthusiastic, like talking through all the same stuff that the person at home watching on the computer is thinking the same thing, right? And they're looking at right. Craigslist at values and thinking about all the same thoughts. Yeah, it's pretty. It's good. Yeah, and I think it's, it's also refreshing because it it wasn't like uh, it didn't feel very like corporate. There wasn't like an agenda there. It wasn't. It yeah. wasn't like from brought to you by Acura kind of thing. It was yeah, very, and like, you get to meet just, like you get to understand the people too, right? Like, which I think is mm-hmm. one of the things that keeps our podcast going. Is you know, it's just a platform for us, like arguing against each other and like you know we get to express these different points of view and people can relate to one of us and uh getting to know the people yeah. is kind of important right i mean it, it's the car stuff but it's the the people stuff too more really well, you know yeah it really is the people stuff because you know you know that's that's really interesting i think that, that that's that's a, a good point i at, at jalopnik it was always about the people right yeah. it was i mean the car was you know, the car is still the star, but like the, it, the people were really made the story. So I think what was, what was good about the drive or good about drive the YouTube channel was what was bad about the business of drive the YouTube channel. And that is that we did it entirely. Everything was what we wanted to see ourselves. Yep. And that made for good content and probably not the best business. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, that's so difficult because you're you're so right though it's like um doug demiro you know not knocking him at all but he can uh he can just go around to walk around a car and with one with his one camera and it's you know and he can just, yeah and he can just be like yeah. here check out this and look at these features and stuff and no matter what he gets like four million views and then you guys do this heavily produced really cool you know like <laughs> like musto video where he's driving this cool like like uh 65 mustang it's been turned into an autocross car all an independent rear suspension all this stuff and it gets like four hundred thousand views and you're like right, okay, right. well this sucks like yeah, yeah <laughs> well, it's hard to justify yeah yeah i mean i think one thing that doug deserves kudos on and i don't think he gets enough I mean, he probably gets kudos. i don't know i'm doing where he gets enough well there's enough. that kyle kid too that did that yeah the same kyle- thing doug does well, yeah. So, right, Kyle, oh, Sob Kyle, uh, Kyle. ninety six yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Doug, un- Doug does a lot of things that uh, that the audience can participate in. Courts and features, uh, the Doug score, um, all those things that are that make what he does more than just him in a potato can. You know what I mean? Like, I think the. the I don't know if he if that stuff evolved over time for him, but he has a natural sense of 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 drawing his audience into what he's talking about, um, and and that's I mean that's where he deserves I think uh, the most credit is for um, is for being that engaging. Um, I I mean and and again like you know a lot of car guys are like I can't I can't watch Doug for more than five minutes, but you know what two million other people can. So it's like he's do, he's doing something for somebody that's important, and um, yeah. So I mean, you're right. I mean, it's sort of for if you're, you know, if you're trying to pay down your Sony FS7, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and you have you've used your credit cards and you're, 
<laughs> you know, or yeah. whatever, and you're trying to make something that looks like Top Gear, um, yeah, you're, and you're getting, you know, 50,000 views. I mean, sure, it's not. And it took you a week to produce, right? It took a week to produce. Yeah, yeah. It took you a week in the editing room, let, yeah. let alone, like, all the, the filming and stuff. Um, and you had to pay your friends to or people to be in it or help you out and stuff. So. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, that's a slippery, but. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's right. I mean, it's it's a on on one on one hand, the medium has there's so much content that it's driven the um, it's driven the the advertising rates down to the floor, right? Mm-hmm. Just because of the nature of supply and demand, mm-hmm. there is so much content there is so much supply that um that it's hard to keep ad rates to a level where you know that where anybody but the smallest operators can make money or the combination of small operator and really good at content chris vick doug demiro uh jason fensky that kind of stuff so so what that ends up doing though is really you know giving uh, you know, providing that energy for the grassroots. And so there's never, there's sort of never a mature moment for YouTube. It's always in that really sort of volatile uh, spot where it's never getting into that sort of very businessy curve um, where things start to get less interesting. It's uh, all down where things are interesting. And, and, I, I don't think that's ever that's never happened in any medium before hmm. until until now. It's an interesting, like television, interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, te- television five years on was all of a sudden, you know, in you know, hundred million households, right, or ninety million, or whatever it was, and so all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's not a bunch of ex stagehands from New York City doing stuff. It's like Hollywood doing it. Mm-hmm. YouTube is never going to have that moment, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's I, I think that's good because that's where that's where the energy kind of should be. But it's not. I think as a as a guy who runs a media a small media company, it makes the decision on whether to do that kind of video very difficult. Right. Um, yeah. It's like leaving no room for the pros. Which yeah. And there's. Uh... Well, yeah. that being said, you guys had the 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 the, the videos you you did on the the Craigslist cars or whatever the BAT cars was really good, and that's like that's your version of the Doug Miro video, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but, um, funny, Brian, you said you said something interesting. It leaves no room for the pros. There is nobody who's cr- and again, this is again across all walks of life when it comes to talking about journalists and and media. Nobody is crying for those guys. You know what I mean? It's like, nobody's crying for the people, the big, the big media people that don't have a place in this new world of, you know, populist media. I mean, there's nobody crying for for us. So I I don't want, yeah, I don't want to, like, I I get it. Like, it's fine. It's fine for me because I I enjoy their content. Um, But it it just makes it different. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there is, yeah, it's, uh, I, I appreciate your points about the, uh, you know, swelling from the bottom up and, you know, it is kind of like, you know, the energy is in the right spot. I, I think you're right. Uh, and it's making me reflect on like, how much do I miss, you know, really well-produced com- content if if there isn't room to make that. 
and I'm I'm not really sure how I feel about it yet. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe it is that uh, yeah the I don't know. It, feel, it feels like there might be some people. You maybe you're selling yourself short. Uh, there may be people crying over the lack oh, right. of the good the good content, right? I mean, that I mean, art, the case. I mean, when... art had to drop off. He ran away, but you know, he that that the Abu Dhabi McLaren P1 made an impression on him. Uh, and you know, I, I certainly also, it made an impression on me. I, I remember the rad footage and, you know, I'm happy that we're at a time when we can get the slow-mo footage and, you know, that we have machinery to admire. Uh, and you know, I, it, the world would be less cool without that piece of media. <laughs> and if we're not, what are yeah, we missing I, now that, yeah. you know, because well, it's not the finances are stuff, so I mean, I yeah. think there still is high quality stuff out there. So I mean, there's things like Carfection. They make pretty high-quality yeah. pieces. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not as produced, you know, quite, but they're, they're fairly well, pretty well produced, you know. Um, they're doing good stuff. And there's a few other ones. And um, I, I but really... the drive was definitely a go-to. It was a cool yeah. thing because it was a go-to for not just, like, most of them, it's like a channel. They do one kind of video. The drive was a, a place where... They were actually like a network almost. Yeah, that's and it was really yeah. cool because you would go there and you'd see like Matt Farah's videos, um, the tuned, and then you would see Mike Musto's, and then you'd see um, like all these different different kinds of content, uh, car t- content, all at a high quality, um, which was which was kind of like the di- differentiator for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it was a cool place to go. Definitely, I think I. I think I shelled out the money when when it when it went to a paywall, well, but thanks. um, it did. <laughs> but the content definitely did go away. Yeah, you know, after, yeah. and then it was like kind of like wait, they're they I think you guys were releasing everything for free like a week after, and I'm like, wait, what's happening? Well, yeah, something. <laughs> or was, I don't know. At some point. Yeah, there was a timing. Yeah, there was some some shift with with that. But I I mean yeah I mean I'm sorry about that, but like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think you're right. I mean, I think there is uh, there's always going to be an appetite for. I mean, just look at um, uh, the the F1 show on Netflix that I'm forgetting. So uh, good, yeah. Oh. Drive to survive. Drive, drive to survive. Yeah. I mean, as good as any documentary, uh, you know, style anything that's out yeah. there. So it's out there. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that um, the appetite has moved. Well, the budgets have moved to streaming. I'm so glad um, you brought that up. Yeah, because, I mean, that is a whole nother area of media consumption that it's like binge watching super high dollar productions that are uh, full seasons of shows. That's like that's a real thing. That That is how people are doing it today on their couches, on the big screen with good sound yeah. systems. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. Yeah, we were sort of caught in the middle. I think we were, we. I mean, I think NBC Sports helped us make the mm-hmm. transition to that, but mm-hmm. we're still a small show for them. But like, yeah, I mean, I, it's really, it's really uh, the big budget stuff is coming from the things that can bring eyeballs, a lot of eyeballs. Look, Top Gear. If, you know, if if you had asked Chris if he was going to join Top Gear six years ago, I think. I don't know. I don't remember anybody asking him, but I, I think he probably would have said, ah, that's why I would never, why would I ever do that? You know? Um, but right now, I mean, I think Top Gear with him in it, I mean, I'm, I'm biased because he's a friend of mine, but like, I think they found the right three guys 
Yeah. It's much more British, which is great. And that's why we will love the last one. I think the, yeah. the mistake was thinking that you had to make that universal and it doesn't have to be too universal. I like it because it's British. Yeah. I like it because yeah. it's more British than, than anything else. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, that's, that's sure, it's so I British. You can hardly hear it. You can hardly yeah, understand some of the guys. The thing it's sort of like, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, but whatever it is. But you are right. They went with more like they for. I think when it first came back, they're like let's get these big, these big kind of names. Let's yeah. get an American. Let's get this other guy who whatever. And now they're kind of like, well, let's just get good guys that work together well on camera. Right. And and they're and they're all from the same area and they have the same lights and you know kind of like this you know and it works really well. And I think also having Chris as like the the Jeremy Clarkson. Right. works way better than him being just the guy that drove the car or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, like, who thought that Chris was going to be the one that everybody ragged on? Like, certainly yeah, yeah. not. Yeah. Um, but it's... Uh, but we already knew he was good at narrating and stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in all the, the drive on NBC, and he and he does the... When he did Harrison Cars, it's good, you know, it's good at that, so... Well, and um, the thing is, like, even when he wrote for me at, at, um, at Zero to 60, he's annoyingly good at his job. And um, he hates when I say things like that because he's very, he is actually a very modest guy. And I don't, I mean, again, like he doesn't probably going to be pissed that I said that, but like he is, um, he's very, and I think that's, that's, that modesty sort of means that he strives for uh, real good stuff all the time. Like his, his copy always came in really well tuned and he always knows what to say. Like that's a, that's a guy who has really worked hard to get there. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy it's him. He's not resting on his laurels for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's, he works, he works really hard. So he, he yeah. really deserves it. Um, nice. So I'm happy that he's, he's yeah. Done. Well, I think it's time. I think we need to wrap this thing up, um, yeah. but we have some trivia, Warren. Or? Trivia. I suck at that, but let's As go. British say, okay. First there's a trivia song. So bear with me. Johnny Carson team. God damn, Mike. What a guy. <laughs> what well, a guy. Old, also very old. I, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, we had a, a listener send us a message. It's Trenton South. He's a pedal underscore commute on okay. Instagram. And he is a, a mail man, a mail delivery person. I don't know what they call him now. Mail, mail carrier. Yeah, we had talked. We had talked uh, some trash about the mail trucks last week. Well, not trash so much, but my, but my the new style or the new new style. The old ones that are loud and sound like they're about to. The, the guy the was turning back. it off at every stop, every mailbox. He would turn the engine off, deliver the mail, get back in, start it, and like my mechanical sympathy was through the roof. Like, <laughs> oh my god. But um, so he said, in reference to the Thursday edition, we were talking about neighborhood mail trucks. Um, he said that uh, they are three-speed autos, always wants to be stuck in second, and mm. uh, they have a Iron Duke four-cylinder rear-wheel drive. Wow. And random fact, Iron the sliding Duke. door wow. is a, a common fear among mail carriers. Five people will lose one or four fingers each year. One or four, not like like one, either one four. or four or one. <laughs> Is that like a thumb or the I'm gonna be the second guy? <laughs> a pinky maybe or all four. Oh, lose no, them by trying to stop the sliding door from closing. Yeah, oh, like, is it heavy or something? 
So my first trivia trivia question here is, we all know the mail, the classic mail truck that's been in use for fucking 20 years, 30 years. Yeah. Give me the make and model. Oh my God, oh, I can't God. remember. All right, so it's- Wait, Grum- wait Mike, you, you go last. We'll give you the benefit. Oh, of the crap. Time. It's okay, <laughs> you're right. okay. Okay. Make make and model. I'm going to say it's a man. A man <laughs> kind of truck or something? Yeah, double well, N. MCO. There are a okay. few models, right? I mean, it's not, uh, I don't know. You know you're talking about the talking big about, bumper one? Yeah. Yeah. Standard I'm, I'm, calling, I'm saying Jeep still. Big triangle. I don't know hey, what the hell the, it's called, the though. The model? I don't know. <laughs> Mail truck. The Jeep mail truck. Yeah. Can I align with Lane on this one? <laughs> Mike, Mike totally is already wrong. on the right path there. So we're going back you to the Grumman. I heard. I don't know. All right. Sorry. I, I, so it's, I, it's Grumman, but I don't. I, all right. I think it's Grumman, but I, I don't know. It's the, it's something with a three in it. I just, I don't know if that's true, but there's like. It's a better guess remembering than mine. M3, so like mailman. It's just like new, so I, it's sort of like the Mustang new style. Is it sort of like new style or? Uh, it's the a new, terrible name. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's, there's no absolutely can, can zero you give us a hint? artistic flair. Okay, can is it like a number name or is it a? I'll give you a hint. It is the Grumman LLV. Oh, well, that's the now. Answer. What does the LLV stand for? It's uh, 105, right? <laughs> Oh, okay, it's so horsepower or what? It's 105 horsepower in the Roman numeral. Yeah. No, it is the long life vehicle. Oh, oh wow. That I is kind of love that. I love it. I think that's that great. Crazy. That's just truth in advertising. Dude, and did you just <laughs> say so that bad. so the LLV runs a Duke motor? It's yeah. a Duke, the Iron, Iron Duke. Cylinder, which is produced by Pontiac uh, for the oil crisis. They, they kind of shit their pants because guess what? All they had in their lineup was a 350 V8, a 400, or a 455. That was it. <laughs> Pontiac. Pontiac. That's all they had. They went, oh, my God. What oil? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell are we doing now? <laughs> Guys, you hear this? <laughs> That's what happened with the 79 Trans Am is they ended up with an Oldsmobile 403, and, and there was a right. stroke. Yeah. Anyway, right. yeah. Yep. Yeah, so huh. uh, long story short, they produced the Iron Duke, and that was what's used in this LLV. Amazing. And guess what? Miles per gallon for our wonderful uh, postal service. Oh, under dude. a little bit of scrutiny at the moment. I don't know. 12 miles per anyway, gallon. But, <laughs> 12? Good guess. Good guess. Good guess. Hey. Oh, is this part of the question? Yeah, this is yeah, part, uh, question yeah. number two. 18. 18. 18. Iron Duke, 18, huh? It's doing uh, a lot of idling, by the way. Average, just give me the average. They advertise it at 16. Everyone in the mail carrier uh, people association say 10. 10. Wow. 10. Aluminum bodied. Are they moving over to electric? I don't know what they're going to do. There are some new concepts coming out. They also talk about buying um, the little transit connects. The caravan seems the, like electric would work, right? They don't go that far. They just like you know. I think, you're right. Like, I think you're right, but they have to produce it to work in all climates. And I imagine that uh, electric would take a huge hit in Bismarck in the winter. I don't know. I mean, you could run a you could run a 
Tesla there, right? Well, they oh, really? should run the the uh, left range. The Domino's Pizza thing. They should. They should. Oh yeah, or yeah. Were they yeah. like? Or were they, the they open it up to everybody? Or and yeah, they'd, like design know, one? Of, yeah. Well, they yeah. would have to design right. They would design yeah. right. So I mean, because you don't need to heat up the mail, I would imagine. But like you can, right. you can maybe make it a little bit bigger. I don't know. Um, exactly. Well, they'll be drones in any time. They got this. thirty years. Yeah. I mean, are people getting as much mail as they got 30 years ago? Or, or well, I think that? more, maybe more. Yeah, more mail. Like Back a lot. then, you'd write one letter a month, and it was like it was a fountain pen, and a horse took it somewhere. And, like, and USPS oh, is delivering packages from Amazon and stuff too, right? So, yeah, yeah and they're about to be out of business, or so. I don't know what's going on. But yeah. uh, we have a great mailman in my neighborhood. So shout out to uh, Mailman Matt if you're listening. <laughs> um, Matt. Thanks for slanging the the mail. Anyways, uh, that's your trivia. Mike, thank right. you so much for joining us. It was yeah, really it's been fun. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great talking to you guys. Yeah. Thanks for being on one, not one, but two shows. Yeah, I'd right. love to have you back. And uh, when we get to actually see people in person, uh, we should do that too. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. Um, and uh, anywhere, just drive.com? Drive Thedrive.com. Uh, the drive.com, uh, we are Brookline media. If you ever, uh, happen to see, uh, anything about Brookline media, it's, uh, it's, it's us. And, um, yeah. And, and, um, yeah, once in a while go to slash drive or youtube.com slash drive just to see what used to be there. Um, oh, we're going to, eventually we'll be, there'll be new stuff there. We just don't know what yet. So and you're on, you're on Instagram, of course, so people can find Instagram. you there. And- yeah. Mike Spinelli, uh, on Instagram, Mike Spin on Twitter. Um, what else? All the, yeah. I mean, and Mike, it, yeah. Mike, the baldy gangster at, uh, baldy Spinelli, that piece of shit <laughs> that he should ever darken my door. MySpace. Yeah, he's on MySpace. <laughs> All right, Dennis, Dennis, yeah. Dennis the Butcher. Dennis the Butcher. Oh, shout out to Dennis the Butcher. Out of way, Dennis. Hang Dennis. in there. Yeah. <laughs> Hang in All there. Right. Uh, All right. Bye, guys. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Bye. Mike. Yep. Later. Later. See you later. Patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome. Do you enjoy the DWA podcast? Give us a little love and support us on Patreon and get some awesome bonuses like a weekly exclusive Patreon podcast, exclusive stickers, koozies, and discounts on everything in our store, early access to rallies and other DWA events, and much, much more. Um, yeah. It really helps us out if you become a patron of the podcast, and we hook you up with some really cool stuff. So join us now at patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome. Thanks.